0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Wisconsin U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. The American Sugar Alliance is a national coalition of sugar farmers, processors, refiners, and suppliers dedicated to preserving a strong sugar industry. Learn more at SugarAlliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin next Sugar subsidies of 120 countries are on the rise and threatening 142,000 U.S. jobs. That's why the American Sugar Alliance is pushing for a global subsidy ceasefire. Their goal is a subsidy-free world market that fosters efficiency. And they know that unilateral disarmament of America's no-cost policy without concessions from abroad will only outsource U.S. jobs and reward foreign subsidizers. The plan is called the Zero for Zero Sugar Policy. You can learn more at sugaralliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The U.S. Congress was successful at approving a short term spending bill to keep the government running until after the election. As a member of both the Senate Appropriations Committee and the Senate Budget Committee, Wisconsin U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin wants leaders to come back to the Hill, prepared for tough decisions on spending for the new fiscal year.
1: We hope to roll up our sleeves and pass these much more detailed appropriations bills that basically govern the spending on all sorts of programs tailored to what we have learned this past year about most urgent needs and priorities versus a continuing resolution that simply says... Whatever we did last year, we're going to do again at the same level, no changes. And um, I do think that there's going to be um, a real sense of urgency that we get that job done, that we show that the uh, appropriations process can work; um, that it doesn't just always get stymied by uh, gridlock, and um, we have people who have worked really, really hard over the course of the year, um, you know, to get those um, those measures ready. Uh, and so I'm hopeful, uh, frankly, regardless of. Uh, the composition of the Congress going into the next session, that this Congress will finish its work.
0: Let's talk about the farm economy and specifically in your state. You have been challenged by weather for crops in the early season and then even at the harvest.
1: We've had some terribly damaging flooding in July in northern Wisconsin, we had multiple counties impacted, affecting a number of farmers. Let me just describe a circumstance on one night where 12 inches of rain fell in some spots in eight hours. This had Various impacts on northern Wisconsin agriculture depending on, uh, you know, the geology and the geography of, of where it happened. That sadly wasn't the only weather related emergency that we had in Wisconsin. And so just last month, western Wisconsin experienced successive. Flooding events, so this wasn't an intense rain like the one I described up north, but just continuing heavy downpours over a number of days and weeks. Um, They are assessing it still, and it is unclear what type of emergency relief might come into play from the federal government, but I do know that there's some pretty intense uh, damage as we're looking at late September and early October.
0: So you've seen storms from the weather. You've also seen an economic storm for for your crop farmers with low commodity prices, steady input costs, very tight margins. Does it emphasize the need for a safety net and then at the same time, is this 14 farm bill that is in place, is it enough for your crop farmers?
1: Certainly as this Season unfolds, we are testing some of the newer provisions. We are definitely learning about where we need to improve, and frankly, the Farm Bill, unlike some of the measures that are periodically reauthorized, these discussions start very early, and we try to take lessons from the field, if you will, um, immediately to inform the type of changes we want to make in the next farm bill uh, reauthorization. The commodity prices being low is still a challenge to many.
0: Several weeks ago, we talked with Colin Peterson, the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, and he shared his frustration with the dairy program of the farm bill. And most recently, he's been quoted as saying that if the farm economy gets worse, then... He'll be up for discussion of writing a new farm bill early or coming to the aid of producers. With regard to the dairy program, how do you analyze what we approved and can it be tweaked or must it be rewritten? How's it affecting your state's producers?
1: Right now, the dairy margin program is not protecting our farmers. And, uh, you know, we're seeing uh, a number of. Problems, uh, including that it isn't kicking in soon enough. Um, so there's a lot of talk in the dairy industry right now about how we can update the dairy program to better serve this sector. And I will tell you, I agree with Colin Peterson. It is an important conversation that we're having on the ground in Wisconsin, and I'm gathering input from across the industry, uh, producers as well as uh, processors. I think that whether it is action that we take now um – that complements fixing the dairy margin program. And so, you know, if Colin Peterson has suggested that we go back to the drawing board immediately and pass something early out of the reauthorization cycle, I am very open to hearing that. Um, I want to know sort of what direction we're going in. But right now, uh, I can uh, just uh, uh, sort of emphatically agree that the the new dairy margin program isn't is not protecting uh, our dairy farmers.
0: Well, the Department of Agriculture has uh, stepped in and has, has made purchases of cheese. Are there other things that government could do without either A opening the current farm bill or B writing new? Are there other things that can be done that you've called for? Yes,
1: yeah, so I have some breaking news for Agripulse listeners. I am leading a Senate effort to call on the Office of Management and Budget, uh, to act to support, uh, dairy farmers. So calling on the OMB after working with, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture for stronger action in the face of a very, very difficult situation that are, that is facing, uh, dairy farm families. Um, dairy farms are struggling as we've been discussing. And we need action now. Um, OMB can play a role in helping producers in the short term. They have a variety of tools at their disposal. We want to make sure that we don't lose more farms. And frankly, that is what is happening during this really tough period of time. So that is one thing uh, that we are doing as we speak, is, um, Additionally, I want to call attention to uh, an issue that has impacted uh, disproportionately some of our dairy farmers in Wisconsin as well as in other states, uh, New York particularly, and is also uh, impacting processors, and that is that trade barriers being erected in Canada. And uh, Senator Schumer and I have uh, weighed in to sound the alarm about this, Canada, within the province of Ontario, has cost Wisconsin dairy farmers literally tens of millions of dollars as a result of a dairy pricing change that they made in their province this past spring. Now, Canada as a whole is considering adopting this same pricing change and my uh, strong uh, demand is that we we need to review the change that they're contemplating to determine if it's even permitted under our trade deals, and we need our negotiators who are, are talking with Canadian uh, trade officials to really dig in about this. And, um, you know, this is the, the, the reduction in exports that we've seen just based on Ontario's actions Are significant. If they did this nationwide in Canada, it would worsen an already tough situation faced by farmers in Wisconsin and uh, and some other states.
0: Two questions to follow your response there. First of all, let's go back to the OMB. Are there particular items, are there particular actions you see that they could take right now that you would suggest for the dairy industry?
1: So My letter to the OMB recognizes that they have a variety of tools and authorities available to them. It is not prescriptive, um, but more uh, expressing the sense of urgency that our farmers face. Um, They know what their authorities are. We are urging them to
0: exercise those. Senator, what if they don't?
1: Um, Well... We know the situation that is unfolding right now, and certainly as I indicated earlier with our communication to OMB, we we are doing this after working with the USDA um, and obviously have already urged them to do uh, as much as they can internally. So we hope that this extra pressure will result in action.
0: When we spoke with the cotton industry earlier this year, they said the threat that was coming from their own failure with the farm program there was that it wasn't just a loss of farms. It was a loss of industry overall, that if that industry's lost, it's not coming back anyway soon.
1: Absolutely. And that's, you know getting back to OMB and um, some of the responses they fashioned in the cotton industry, And I will admit, very frankly, I know very little about cotton. We don't grow any in Wisconsin that I know of. Um, but my understanding is that um, they are adept at tailoring uh, at least the short-term solutions to region to recognize the markets, the um, particular regional challenges. And therefore, you know, it's why we're not being prescriptive in our request for assistance from OMB. We want to uh, have them recognize that, you know, there's unique things that may work for the dairy industry.
0: What's happening in Canada with regard to their pricing, some might say, well, this is another reason not to have trade agreements because this is what happens. Others might suggest this is a reason for trade agreements and trade negotiations where things like this can be called to a higher court uh, of fair trade.
1: Yes, you know, trade is on a lot of people's mind. It is a central uh, aspect of the debate in our upcoming presidential election, and frankly, many elections you know that are are uh, being waged across the country um and frankly we're seeing trade as a major issue in other parts of the world that said my fight on behalf of all the constituents that I represent is to ensure that those current trade agreements that are in existence are upheld to protect our uh, dairy producers, among others. Um, so, you know, as we're looking at Canada, we're talking about: Do these new uh, pricing policies um, do they comply and comport with already existing agreements between our two nations, whether that's NAFTA or, or others? Um, looking forward to pending. Trade agreements, both the TPP and the currently, it's in the process of being negotiated, Transatlantic Treaty and Investment Partnerships, otherwise known as TTIP. Um, You know, as a senator, I weigh the impact of the trade deal on all of the state's diverse economic interests. And for TPP, I have concluded that they fall well short of delivering the shared prosperity that we want to see for all Wisconsin's workers, whether those be agricultural or manufacturing workers. Um, There is one particular issue I want to tease out with regard to TTIP the one that's still being uh, negotiated, that has a, a pretty disproportionate impact on our state given its uh, dairy industry and and other uh, things that are not necessarily unique to Wisconsin but special about Wisconsin, and that is the issue of geographic indicators. In the negotiations, the European Union has been sticking hard to a view that, they should be able to have exclusive use of certain names that we commonly know for cheeses, for beers, (laughs) for brats. And if you think about Wisconsin, you often think about cheese, beer, and brats. Um, We can say it sort of lightheartedly, but we have had literally generations of craft and master cheesemakers Sausage manufacturers and craft beer industry participants who use names that would be banned or prohibited in their use by the European Union if we don't succeed in getting rid of this particular provision. Uh, in that um, future trade deal. And uh, my dairy industry has made it very clear that this is a huge priority and, and vital to our state's economy and, frankly, our state's heritage.
0: Wisconsin, a very diverse and rich state in agriculture. Uh, when we talk to agriculture groups, they are as concerned, it seems to be, about Uh, environmental regulation as they are about policy. And with regard to livestock operations, there are a number of proposals with regard to waste and waste management that would be tremendous in terms of the cost. Is this on your radar, and what are your producers telling you about some of these proposals?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting in terms of um, waste management issues. Um, We're having a very robust local debate about those issues already. Uh, Not surprisingly, I'll even argue all politics is local. So I want to share a quick anecdote about my recent um, visit to Kewanee County in Wisconsin, where almost a third of the private wells have unsafe drinking water. We got folks around the table, EPA, USDA, U.S. Geological Society, we have local farmers, uh, local uh, county leaders, and are trying as best we can to really work through some of those issues at the local level with cooperation from federal folks, not conflict. And, and I like to push in that direction whenever I can. I also want to mention a bill that is moving through the Congress right now called the Water um, Resources Development Act. Like the Farm Bill, it's something that we reauthorize episodically. Um, usually, it has focused on major Army Corps of Engineer projects, uh, water infrastructure projects. This year in particular, there's been a much greater focus on water technology that impacts our drinking water, and uh, provisions that I have championed would actually help farmers invest in new water technology and test to ensure water quality. This is a carrot, not a stick, and I'm very hopeful that what we call the Water Technology Innovation Act, which I have gotten incorporated in WERDA, the Water Resources Development Act, we, we, we hope that it is going to move forward, be signed into law, and frankly give uh, farmers and community members more tools rather than more regulation at this point.
0: I would also suggest that there are some producers very, uh, very concerned about their profit margin. And if suddenly regulations came into place that they would have to have their own sewage treatment plant or their own digesters or other means of extreme, cost prohibitive would be the end of their operation.
1: Yeah, so why don't we look at it in a more hopeful and positive way about uh, not imposition of these things, but rather the Water Resources Development Act bringing new streams of funding and creating new markets for these type of investments and innovations. I mean, frankly, if we find things that work, that alleviate the issue, we want to provide incentives to deploy them.
0: Obviously, there was a period of time where new research or new genetics actually came from the land-grant universities from the Department of Agriculture. Over a period of time, consolidation of the industry now to a point where uh, there's plenty of concern about how many uh, big companies will be left providing technology for producers. And in that, the question is, Is there enough research from the Department of Agriculture, from land-grant universities, to provide uh, hybrids and varieties and crops that would benefit even the smallest regions of the country?
1: I'm so glad you asked that question because I share that concern um, very significantly. And um, so it's critical that public research investments deliver results that can be used by our farmers. And um, it's also critical that this be sort of tailored to regional needs. Adapted to climates, to soils, and the farming systems that exist in each region of the country. So farming tools, farmers need to have the tools that are ideally suited for their local areas. And that's why the public, you know, land uh, grant institutions can play such a powerful role that's also locally tailored. So I've been fighting for um, much stronger investments in public plant and animal breeding research. Um, these investments, I believe, can deliver new varieties that increase yields and uh, decrease inputs. And um, they're especially critical to specialty crop growers. Um, diversified farms and organic farmers. You've already heard me crow about Wisconsin's prowess in this regard, you know, with our very um, robust organic sector, but also, um, you know, specialty crops like cranberries and potatoes. And I raise those again so that I can talk about The fact that these investments pay off for our rural communities. So the University of Wisconsin has indeed developed varieties of potatoes and cranberries that are suited to our state's climate. And uh, these advancements have supported our Wisconsin growers to become the top in the nation in terms of both of these crops nationally.
0: Senator Baldwin, we want to thank you so much for spending time with us here on Open Mic. Senator, it is open mic, and you have the last word.
1: Well, I just have to tell you how excited I was to be asked to join you to get a chance to have a conversation. And I want to just thank our Wisconsin farmers, our Wisconsin producers, and those across your listening area for their hard work and dedication to our economy and to the health and well-being of our nation.
0: Our thanks to Wisconsin U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin. Our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. The American Sugar Alliance is a national coalition of sugar farmers, processors, refiners, and suppliers dedicated to preserving a strong sugar industry. Learn more at SugarAlliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.